morning, church. Good morning. I'm Father Spencer, one of the co-rectors here at the table. Today, we proclaim the good news that Jesus is confronting our misshapen desire that has us stuck perpetuating systems of violence, exploitation, and oppression. Instead of condemnation, his confrontation is an invitation into a new way of being, <laughs> out of the system of acquisition and into a kingdom of abundance. God is birthing new life within you today. Receive the word of truth and begin bearing first fruits of new creation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we continue to enter into this sermon series in our pre-service class on mammon, we have so much ahead of us. We are becoming brutally aware of how much our vision and our imagination for living has been malformed. It can feel like there's no chance we're going to escape this oppressive system. And as we become more aware of this oppressive system, we also are becoming aware of our roles in it, how we have benefited from it, and in some ways become oppressors even. Some of the, the truths that we've been taught in church growing up is that it really all depends on us. It's up to us to figure this out or else. If you can't discern every way that you have been involved in this system of oppression on a daily basis, if you can't repent of that and just with a fine-tooth comb rid those things from your life, then you don't have a chance of making it into the kingdom. It can feel like we've been dealt a losing hand because we're so blind to what justice actually looks like. It feels like we're flying blind. We can't even see or know how we're sinning. And so how are we to stop sinning? This reminds me of one of the episodes of Squid Game this past year. Squid Game is a show that talks a lot about physical and psychological torments, essentially. And so, it may not be your thing. <laughs> if not, I just want to affirm that. <laughs> that being said, there's one episode of Squid Game where the game that all the competitors uh, participate in, they have to go across this glass bridge. They're suspended 150 feet in the air, and they have to cross. There's three panels in a line, and with each step, only one of the panels is the appropriate way to go forward. And so, it's almost like the most deadly game of hopscotch you can possibly imagine. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no way for them to decode which glass they're supposed to step on. And so the first person jumps out, and if they're lucky, they land on solid glass. But if they're unlucky, they plummet down to the bottom. And so they try to learn from each other watching, but by the end, there's not enough people left to go, and you just have to guess. This is what a lot of us have received as what it means to follow Christ. We've learned, as we continue to unpack what it looks like and what it means to live in a system of mammon, that we are so complicit in the system that it's the water that we swim in, it's the air we breathe to an extent, that we have no idea which glass panel to step on. We have to move forward because time moves on. We get older every day. But what are we supposed to do? Just guess. That's some of the bad news that we've received. But friends, Jesus is confronting our misshapen desire, this desire that has us stuck perpetuating systems of violence and exploitation and oppression. His condemnation, or his confrontation is not a condemnation, but he's inviting us into a kingdom way of life, out of a system of acquisition and into a kingdom of abundance. God is birthing new life within you today. 
So receive the word of truth and begin bearing first fruits of new creation. In our gospel passage today in Luke, Jesus has just been speaking about money in the parable of the dishonest manager. And the text says that he turns to address the Pharisees, who the text says are lovers of money. Jesus says to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is prized by humans is an abomination to God. He goes on to say, the law and the prophets were in effect until John came, but now that John came and proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, everyone is trying to enter it by force. So then he goes on to share the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Rich man, the rich man is extravagantly dressed and feasts to overfull on a daily basis. But at his gate there lays a poor man, Lazarus, who's covered in sores, who's starving. The poor man dies and is carried away by angels. The rich man dies and is buried. And the rich man looked up from his torment in Hades and saw Lazarus by Abraham's side and said, Father, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus just to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Abraham says, Child, remember, you had comfort in your life. Lazarus only had evil things. But now it's being reversed. Besides, there is an impassable distance between us. The rich man says, Then at least send Lazarus to warn my brothers so that they don't come to this place of eternal torment. Abraham says, They have Moses and the prophets, so they should listen to them. And the rich man said, No, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham concludes the parable by saying, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they won't be convinced by someone rising from the dead either. Scholars believe that this is a story that was already in circulation amongst the rabbis, that it was a teaching that would be used at different times and emphasized in different ways. So Jesus is using a story that was in existence already and maybe shifting some of it around and trying to make a point. But what is Jesus doing in this passage? What is he getting at? And why? What is he confronting? And what is the appropriate response to this parable? If you dip your toes into researching this parable and reading what people have written about it, there's actually a ton of discussion about what implications this parable has for the afterlife. Okay, so actually, if we're in hell, then we'll be able to see heaven. I guarantee it. Definitely. But nobody can cross either way. But you can talk somehow. I don't know how. Church, this parable, this story, is not about the afterlife. This story is about life. With the nod to the resurrection, it is definitively laying out the inverse, upside-down nature of the values of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom brings relief and nourishment to the poor, and wealth can separate one from God and God's kingdom. Making this text, this passage, about the afterlife obscures the real-world everyday implications of what it means to operate in a system that is defined by the logic of mammon. Material possessions and material actions have meaning that goes beyond just what we can see. So, what comes next? What are we to do with this information? In our Old Testament passage, God says, Act with justice and righteousness. Deliver from the hand of the oppressor anyone who's been robbed, and do no wrong or violence to the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Shed no innocent blood in this place. And then it says, If you obey this word, then through the gates of this house shall enter kings who sit on the throne of David. 
I think it's important to note the accommodation at work, even in this blessing. Because God's plan for Israel was never for there to be kings. But here, as part of this blessing, if you are acting justly and righteously, then part of the blessing is that kings will enter through the gate. So it helps to fund an imagination for how God is present and at work in our reality today. What kind of accommodations is God making? What if money, property ownership, Bitcoin and NFTs were never part of God's original design for humanity? But he's accommodating those things. Now, this accommodation doesn't mean that the blessing is attached only to how much you can acquire. But it's a good it's good news for us that God is present at work. He's faithful to accommodate and bring his inverse kingdom into reality in 2022 here at the table with real world implications. Our psalm, which Joel wrote a beautiful reflection for, starts off by saying, God is good to the upright, but my feet had almost stumbled. I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw prosperity, prosperity of the wicked. But they've got it all, and they've got it all together. Violence covers them like a garment, and their eyes swell out with fatness, and their hearts overflow with follies. They loftily threaten oppression. Such are the wicked, always at ease, and increasing in riches. But when I went to the sanctuary of God, I perceived their end. The text says, You set them on slippery places. You make them to fall to ruin. They are destroyed in a moment. They're like a dream. When one awakes, you can't remember the details. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. God is my portion forever. I have made the Lord God my refuge. God is unchanging. He is always present and at work in our midst. Relying on the flesh is futile. Because it will vanish like a dream when you awake. In James, we're told, let the lowly believe let the lowly believer boast in being raised up. Let the rich believer boast in being brought low, because the rich will disappear like a flower in a field. No one when tempted should think that they are being tempted by God. One is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. But that desire is conceived, when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when fully grown, that sin gives birth to death. But every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from above. In the divine, there's no variation or shadow due to change. God gave us birth by the word of truth so that we could become a kind of first fruits of his creation. God is making all of creation new, not just us as individuals, but this community, this city, the land that we live on. We are a first fruit of new creation amongst his creatures. God is not tempting you God is on your side. The Spirit is drawing you into a new way of being. A way of being that is full of giving and receiving good gifts. Unlike the rich who fade like a dream upon waking, God is unchanging. Church, it's not up to you to figure all of this out or be damned. God is at work right now in your questions, in your confusion. God is at work in your discontent with systems that do violence, systems that wrong the oppressed, the alien, the orphan, the widow. 
The Holy Spirit is giving you eyes to see what oppression looks like all around you so that you can repent of the ways you've participated in it and benefited from it. We must first see so that we can repent. But that's not the end. When we repent, we're saying yes to Jesus' invitation to deliver from the hand of the oppressor anyone who has been robbed. We are not just being told what not to do, but we are being given an invitation into a way of being that we were meant to receive upon creation, into a kingdom type of life. Church, Jesus is confronting our misshapen desire today, the desire that has us stuck perpetuating systems of violence, exploitation, and oppression. Instead of condemnation, his confrontation is an invitation into a new way of being. He's pulling us out of a system of acquisition and into a kingdom of abundance. God is birthing new life within you today. Now receive the word of truth and begin bearing the first fruits of new creation. You can respond to this good news by continuing to come. Come to the table and ask questions. Live in this tension. Keep our eyes open even when it's hard to look at the ways that we have benefited from injustice and oppression. Bring who you are and what's going on inside your heart and submit it to Jesus. It's not up to you to snuff it all out and get it all figured out so that you can be accepted. God is birthing this new work inside you. You can respond to this good news by coming to the table today, receiving the good gift of Eucharist. Come and join in the Feast of the Divine. Keep pushing into this knowledge that it's not all up to you. Instead, it's a work that God is birthing within you. One of the ways that we're going to begin responding to this good news as we continue to progress through this series is we're going to uh, begin doing a land acknowledgement as a way of acknowledging that the land that we're on doesn't belong to us, not just because we're tenants here, but because it was taken, and that this land belonged to indigenous peoples as a way of us accounting for what has happened, how we've come to be where we're at, and also as a way of repenting of that. And it's uncomfortable and uneasy, and I can't go back in time and solve it, but that's how we're going to enter into this and continue to say yes to Jesus' invitation, to bear witness to the work that God is doing right now in our midst. Continue to bring those struggles, those questions about what to do with wealth and possessions and money. Today, Jesus is confronting our misshapen desire and rescuing us from oppressive systems. He's inviting us out of a system of acquisition and into a kingdom of abundance. God is birthing new life within you today. Receive the word of truth and begin bearing first fruits of new creation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.